Every parent's deepest fear is that they will outlive their children. The death of a child is an incredible blow to the psyche, one that leaves a person damaged and never able to truly recover. But imagine losing five of your ten children in one night. The terror that slowly subsides into grief, the questions. If there was even the slightest chance that they were still alive, that their deaths were an elaborate scheme to enact revenge upon you, what lengths would you go to? This is the story of that family whose life was forever changed one Christmas Eve, 1945. You're listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your host, Christy and Scott. Hey, it's Old Timey Crimey. Hey, everybody. I'm Christy. I'm fucked up. <laughs> I am incredibly fucked up i am so fucked up christy had to drive me to her place today (laughs) which is no big deal because he lives like right down the road (laughs) i still feel guilty about it i like to be independent and i legally cannot drive right now we all need someone once in a while oh my god how's your week been buddy well, um, I think the highlight of my week was uh, on Monday, Jackson and I had a little adventure. We were like, we wanted to go out and get some physical activity. We we're going to go to the gym, but it's free pizza day. I don't know why they I, do that. Yeah, they it's do free pizza. like The first Monday. And then the second Tuesday, free bagels. Yeah, yeah. Here's some carbs. <laughs> like And Tootsie Rolls. Yeah. Tootsie Rolls right there. This is a gym. One Tootsie Roll will, will ruin... Your entire workout. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so I don't go on Mondays because the smell of pizza while I'm working out is torture. Oh, my God. It's, it's horrible. And also there's more people there, and I don't like that. So um, so we were like, let's go hiking because there's a trail nearby that we had sort of investigated a little bit, but it started to rain last Ghost year. Town or? No, no, no. It's, okay. uh, it's down by the reservoir. Okay. Yeah. So... We go down there and we start, and within a minute or so, I would say, maybe two minutes, I've got my name in a true crime podcast because there was a knife on the side of the trail. Oh, no. <laughs> it was sort of like a steak knife, but didn't appear to have, like, the serrated edge. Like, it had, like, a plastic handle, like a cheap steak knife. And I was Something just Something like, you wouldn't mind tossing away whenever you murder a hooker. Yes, on a, on a, on a backwoods trail. <laughs> I was like, oh, dear. I did just leave it there, but I'm going to keep it in mind in case I hear of any, you know, murders and bodies found in the area. Because going to the police and I found this knife in the woods. No, they're not going to take you seriously. You heard about the skeleton that was found here in Johnstown. Mm -hmm. My buddy, William, found that skeleton. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, I don't know if you're listening. Hi, William. Hi, Shauna. (laughs) Hi, William. Hi, Shauna. Hey, how's it going? So but, yeah, so yeah, it's Johnstown. There, it very well could have been used in a crime. It it could have been, but I didn't see any. If I'd seen any other evidence, and I was, I had my eyes mm-hmm. peeled. I, but it, it was just a, a muddy old trail, and you, you know, you know how it is here. People just throw their garbage yeah. wherever. But it is Johnstown, and one out of every five knives has been used in some <laughs> sort of crime. That's true. I never forget the the tale. Uh, there was a story of a murder years back. Um, so like years back, it was like in the two thousands, mm-hmm. and the 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 man's last words were, "Oh snap, she stabbed me." <laughs> That's Johnstown in a nutshell. Oh. So, but then we we go up this trail. It's muddy as all hell. Um, it's it's much steeper than I expected. I did not expect to be climbing a damn mountain, mm-hmm. a muddy mountain, 
and it's it's not it's not well marked at all and it, there's it's very bushy and sometimes you're not even sure if you're on a trail so we get to the top and then we decide or not quite to the top but we decide to stop and then we turn around and come back down and next thing you know we have no fucking idea where we are oh, no. we're wading through like waist high like weeds and grass <laughs> like, oh, no. I, I don't even know how this happened and I, and I grew up in the woods I grew up getting lost all the time I even made a Facebook post because it was like when I was a kid it was like and get lost in the woods just keep on going you'll find a road eventually yeah. like we did that all the time and now I'm like where's my rescue helicopter <laughs> can they send a helicopter please I know I'm probably only like 30 feet from the road but still god damn it why didn't we bring the flare gun yes <laughs> And we get to the end of this, like, horrible path of, of just giant weeds and it, a fucking ravine <laughs> with, like, a creek in it. And we're like, I don't think so. And it's basically between us and what we think is, is the road. So we have to backtrack. And it was ridiculous. But we ended up making it. And when we looked at the map, we, were, we really were, like, only... We were very close to the road. It was ridiculous, but it was it was an adventure. I got yeah. a little anxious at times, but it was it was really fun, and we got some got some exercise. Nice. So, so yeah, climbing nice. up that hill, I was like, oh my god, uh, I'm gonna climb the stairs at the Eiffel Tower soon. <laughs> I'm definitely ready for that. Absolutely, absolutely. Get your T-shirt. Yes. How about you? How's your week? It like I said, I'm pretty fucked up today. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had like a very very minor surgery. They they put a scope down my throat mm -hmm. because I'm getting ready to do gastric sleeve. And so whenever they do that, they have to like go down through your throat and they have to cut a little section out of your stomach to do a biopsy mm -hmm. and they have to look in it and make sure there's no elves or toads <laughs> living in your throat because it is Johnstown. We live in the middle medieval ages and then they give you a bottle filled with five leeches and send you home. <laughs> um, but they did, they did dose me up with, I think they called it Profanil or Profanil or something. Propofol? Propofol. I think it's That's Propofol, it. yeah. And it's, uh, it. It did the whole trick. Yeah. I, I was laying there. I was laying there, and they have the bite guard in, so I don't bite down their incredibly expensive equipment, right? And the guy, the guy goes, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna start putting the stuff in." And and my anesthesiologist looked like a cross between John Cena and Dave Bautista. So <laughs> it was just try to imagine that. <clears throat> and anytime John Cena visits you in the hospital, it's not a good thing. Um, but. He he just goes. Uh, he goes. You should be feeling it soon. I just I had the bite thing and so I, well, all right. <laughs> just, the next thing I know, I wake up. Right. And he goes. Uh, and the anesthesiologist goes. Oh my god. And I said, what? 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 He goes. I just didn't think you'd be up. He goes. I just turned it off. Oh wow. You know. He goes. He goes. Honestly, I was getting like I just dosed you. And he goes, I gave you like three or four doses during the entire thing. He goes, but I just dosed you. You should be out for another four minutes. I go, nope, I'm here. He goes, okay, <laughs> back to it. But yeah, that was that was my day, and that's why I'm not allowed to drive because I've got I've got jungle juice flowing through my veins. <laughs> <sighs> so we I'm, have uh, an interesting one. I'm okay. He's okay. You'll be all right. <laughs> I hope you all appreciate this the way that Cosmic Karen yes. appreciates us. Thank you, Cosmic Karen, for the Stitcher review. Cosmic Karen, our new best friend. Oh, yes. It was a fantastic review, and it made my freaking day. <clears throat> so yeah. we will slowly upgrade as time goes on <laughs> the equipment um, and the room. I want to at least do, like, the, the, you know, sort of 
blankets on the walls that all the newbie podcasters do. <laughs> I'm still not doing more research, Karen. I'm sorry. <laughs> letting that all up for Christy. He's totally going to, you know it. He's just he's just saying that. So, we have another Christmas thing. What is it with us and Christmas? Like, we've had multiple people in cases born on Christmas, and now we have a case taking place on Christmas. I, this is the Christmas Crime Podcast. Yeah. There's another one. <laughs> There's another one. Oh, crap. Yeah. The list of podcasts just keeps growing. Yeah, we can just, you know, if we're doing the Christmas Crime Podcast... We can just change the intro to this and do this one again. Exactly. There yeah. you go. Yeah. 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 Multitasking. So, yeah, it's Christmas Eve, uh, 1945, in Fayetteville, West Virginia. And it's the, the home of George Sauter, his wife Jenny, and um, they have 10 children, one of whom is not at home, one of whom is, is off serving at war mm-hmm. um, because it's, again, 1945. So, yes. we're, we're at the end of World War II here. Um, so actually World War II had already ended, so he's probably doing some sort of... There was a lot There's a lot to do afterwards. Yeah. There's lots to do after a war. There is a lot of cleanup. There is a lot of... Probably peacekeeping. Yeah. Yeah. A a lot of getting people fed. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't think people realize how, how nasty the war was. My, my dad actually liberated, was part of a battalion that liberated a concentration camp. I thought you were going to say he liberated it all by himself. No, no, no. <laughs> part of a battalion. My dad was Captain America. And he, they, they got into it and took it. And he looked at it and thought, we're too late because there's nothing but skeletons. And he said, the skeletons started to move. <gasps> and everybody, you know, there was a lot of people alive. And here's the thing, like people think, oh, they get in there and everybody's safe. No, there were so many people that were so far gone that they just kept dying mm-hmm. for days afterwards. So there was a lot of a lot of help that still needed to happen from the American troops. And this was back whenever America was America <laughs> and we helped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, they have um their nine children in their home and uh, we'll start with a little history on George Sauter, I think, because uh, reading his name and then reading about some of the, the associations he had, um, I was confused. But he, he was actually born Giorgio Sadu in Tula, Sardinia, um, and that's in Italy, 1895. He came over to the U.S. at 13 with an older brother. They both clear customs at Ellis Island, and the older brother turns around and leaves. Yeah. I, the only thing I can think of is that he needed to have somebody, like, custodial. Maybe the older brother was, was uh, like, of age or something like that. That's the only thing I could figure out. Or he just changed his mind or was like, you know what? They, they have they have much better pasta back home. Yeah, and here's the weird thing. George never talked about why he left Italy. Yeah, yeah. He didn't like to talk about either why he left or even just, like, his time there, his 13 years there, which he was only 13. So how yeah. much... I would say how much trouble could he get into. But A lot. Yeah, we've seen some t- some kids getting into trouble, so... I'm looking at you, Hans. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Hans. Oh, I can't wait for a couple weeks from now when I have all these revelations for you. <laughs> oh, my God. So, um, yeah, he became known as George Sauter. Uh, found work in Pennsylvania, then eventually made his way down to West Virginia, where he started his own trucking company. So very, very enterprising man, young man. Yeah. Smithers, West Virginia is uh, is where he got work as a driver. And yeah, this is an enterprising man. This is this is kind of a man of action. In a, 
in more ways than one. Ten children. <laughs> yes, ten children in 20 years. The man knows what a truck is, doesn't know what a condom is. <laughs> and, yeah, that's 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 a lot on poor Jenny. Jenny, his wife, um, she was a storekeeper's daughter. She also was an Italian immigrant. Um and her yeah. uterus was a clown car. It really was. They were just popping out of there one after the other after the other. And the dogs are just standing there in amazement, like I've never seen anything yeah. like this. It's like Betty, uh, their their daughter Betty was five. Then after that, Jenny was eight. Louis nine. Martha twelve. Maurice fourteen. And it just keeps going on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's absolutely bonkers how anybody could do that. I can't imagine. And you know, she she seemed you know she really loved her children. This yeah. was this was you know her thing. So. At what point does it not become a burden anymore? Like <laughs> just it everything becomes, when it becomes routine. Like your genitalia have been so destroyed <laughs> by children. At what point is like that's another one? <laughs> Somebody want to pick that up for me? I just had another one. <laughs> Add it to the list. So, and here's the thing, like, Jenny's eight, and Lewis is nine. I know, I know. So, and this is not a time whenever, you know, today it's like you give birth, and if things go really well during the birth, you're home that night. And let's think about also the time frame here. Yeah. Started in 23, would have still been having more children and, and having to take care of all these children during the Depression. Yeah, and on top of that, How? we're talking about a time whenever the infant mortality rate is still pretty high. Yeah. And, like, these are hardy children. Yeah. They are, they are just She's a hardy up. woman. Yeah, yeah. they are yeah. The, the cockroach of the, <laughs> the Italians. <laughs> Except very nice. And very nice. Nobody yeah. should ever stop on them. They're very nice, no. devoted people. No, but, I mean, I just picture, like, like George, like... Because it's like, you know, they're in the hospital for a week, two weeks, maybe a yeah. month. And two months later, she's pregnant again. Yeah. It's a shame to waste the, the semi-private hospital room. Uh, semi-private. You, you look pretty good there. Hmm. Do, do you think of what I'm thinking? <laughs> and she's just fucking drugged out on her mind, of her mind on painkillers. George, this is how you got here in the first place. You are thinking what I'm thinking. <laughs> Let's work on number 42. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so enterprising in more ways than one, George uh, started his own trucking company. First, he would um, haul fill dirt to construction sites and then uh, later coal, uh, which makes sense. You know, West mm. Virginia, very much a, a coal area. And I, I would think that you could you could make a, a decent living off of that. Maybe, maybe enough to support 10 children. <laughs> so apparently, yes. Um they had a two-story timber frame house just a couple miles north of Fayetteville, um, which had a decent-sized population of Italian immigrants. It had, a, like, an immigrant community there, so they probably, you know, felt fairly comfortable and, you know, in their element. Um, it has that, that, that feeling of, of home away from home, I guess. Yeah, I've, I've been to Fayetteville. Oh, okay. I've been to Fayetteville, uh, Morgantown, uh, Charleston, that sort of area down there. It is a very beautiful part of of west virginia as long as you stay in those general parts yeah if you get off to one of the side roads you are talking like the wrong turn horror movie series yeah yeah where people because i used to deliver newspapers and it did take me into some of those parts of west virginia because my route was very huge and i remember one night having a gun pointed at me going oh, like shit you trying to check my tin cans <laughs> oh my no God. sir newspaper <laughs> 
All right, you live this time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, West Virginia can be it can be a little bit of a little bit of a show sometimes. So yeah. Pennsylvania it, can be a bit of a show I mean, sometimes. Th- there's a reason that they call uh, the the huge swap and basically anything that's not Philly or Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. You know, and I see it and hear it and feel it every single day. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I drive past that toilet in the yard of the house down the road which infuriates me and then i get so excited when spring comes because i'm like finally the grass will mm-hmm. grow over it and i can pretend it's not there until november I, th- I think every area though has that that little urban legend that has a bit of truth to it about the inbred family 50 miles outside of new york city there is a clan of inbred people who are derogatorily referred to as the jackson whites um, where they live, they have some new name like Arapaho Indian tribe or something like that. Um, but they are essentially uh, the freed slaves uh, mixed in with the Native Americans. Oh, okay. And now they have interbreeded and interbreeded and interbreeded. And there are some horror stories from that city. Mm. Uh, but if you read about them, everything's kind of kind of light. And, you know, oh, you know, the, the case of genetic deformities is very low in the Jackson White clan. And, you know, they have very fair features and, and normally somewhat attractive on heads the size of an apple. But, <laughs> but yeah, so I think every every area has that little thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, trust me, George was not working on the inbreeding. He was no, uh, no, no, definitely, definitely outbreeding and and with Jenny. Oh yes. So um, a lot. He, he was very opinionated. Um, and we'll get into that later. But he he he, so he wasn't super popular in the Italian community because he had some big opposition to uh, Benito Mussolini. Imagine! Imagine! I can't can't think of why. I mean, you know... Imagine being... Some people just have the dumbest opinions. You're catching shit for being critical of Benito Mussolini. (laughs) Right? Like, come on. That, that's... Come on. That's a weird thing. And you know what? I don't like the shit you've been saying about Hitler either. (laughs) That's Benito's buddy! The name of Hitler is sacred in this town. Exactly. <laughs> it's Christmas Eve, um, and you have uh, Marion, who is the oldest daughter. She was working at a dime store in uh, Fayetteville, and she seems like a really nice sister. She surprised three of her, uh, her three youngest sisters, Martha, 12, Jenny, 8, and Betty, 5. She brought them some new toys um, from the dime store for Christmas gifts. And the other four children can fuck off. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so they were super excited and they wanted to stay up past their bedtime, of course. Um, and so Jenny was like, yeah, okay. She's, she's being, it's, it's Christmas Eve. She's, she's being, you know, a very, very nice mom. And, um... So, you know, the you had John, 23, and George Jr., 16. They were already asleep. So she's like, all right, you, you guys go ahead. Just remember you have chores to do. Mm-hmm. You know, remember to, to take care of everything before you go to bed. So you have the, the children who stayed up were Maurice, who was 14, Martha, as I said, 12, Louis, who is 10, Jenny, who, again, 8, and Betty, 6. So five of these students, or students, right. what? Five of these children, I'm still stuck in school, apparently. <laughs> five of these children. I'm sure they yeah. were students. <laughs> yes, they probably were students. But yeah, and here's the thing. Everybody can stay up as long as Maurice and Louis 
Put away the cows and feed the chickens. Well, that's important stuff. It is important stuff, but I think everybody should have chipped in. Yes, I, I fully agree with that. You yeah. know, like, you know, but uh, let's see. Let me look at their ages again. I have Maurice's 14, Lewis as 9 or 10. Yeah, Martha could have gotten in on that shit. You know, Jenny and Betty were a, a little young, but... I'm saying, yeah, Martha. Martha could have, yeah. Marion? No, I'm saying Marion doesn't have to because Marion just came home from working a long shift at the Five and Dime bearing gifts. Yeah, not Marion, but Martha. Martha. Yeah. I thought Marion was the one that worked at the Five and Dime. Yeah, Marion worked at the Five and Dime. And um, I have she's the oldest daughter. I don't have yeah. her age. Oh, she's 17. I have it further down the page. She's 17. So Marion, Martha, there's a lot of M's in this family. There's also some repetition of names. You have, of course, we've seen George Jr. You have Jenny, um, who's apparently just Jenny, not Jenny Jr., mm -hmm. Um, Janita. <laughs> Jenny the second. Yes. <laughs> so, um, Jenny two, electric boogaloo. <laughs> so, uh, Jenny, the mom, um, she got up due to a phone call. Um, a woman in the background asked, or a woman asked for a name she didn't know. So she's just like, oh, there's wrong number. There's some mm. laughter, glasses. Oh, is, is Erasmus there? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to speak to Hubert, please. <laughs> clink, clink. There, there you go. go. I made a clink. It's like I'm there. <laughs> yeah. And then some distant laughter. <laughs> that was a horrible laugh. That was nope. my laugh. Um, well, it does say weird laugh. <laughs> it does say weird laugh. Yeah. So it could have been. It could have been me. <gasps> Shit! I hopped in the time machine. It's. We just haven't done it yet. <laughs> I know, right? It's, yeah. It's future me, and I still have the same laugh. God damn. It. <laughs> apparently, apparently, our our quest to save the soldered children from from uh, this fate uh, did not work out. It's that time machine thing where you end up like too far from the location you need to be in order to actually help, and then apparently stay around and get drunk while people make prank phone calls yeah. <laughs> or call yeah. the wrong numbers. So yeah, it was wrong, uh, Jenny said wrong number. She said there was a weird laugh. Hung up, went to bed, but before she did, she saw the lights are still on. Um, Kids hadn't taken care of that. They hadn't drawn the curtains. So, and that was what they were supposed to do. So she takes care of that stuff. Marion had fallen asleep on the couch. I can so relate to that. Yeah. There's just something about falling asleep on a couch that is indulgent. And I don't, I don't know what it is, but when I, when I read that Marion fell asleep on the couch, I was like, you're my girl. Okay. <laughs> I feel ya. Here's what I think it is. Here's what I think it is. A couch, it has that back to it. Yes. And it's got the arms on both sides. Mm-hmm. So, and it's kind of a confined space. So I think it speaks to a primal thing of being cuddled by your mother whenever you're an infant. Yes, that might be it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is ironic that my mom never wanted me to sleep on her couch. <laughs> she was like, that's new. You can't sleep on that. You'll sweat all over it. But then hold me, mother. <laughs> hold me, please. Really weird impression of me. Um, so... I do. Like I said, I, I'm stoned. <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> So Jenny um, was like, okay, everybody else must have gone back up to the attic. That was where they slept. Um, two rooms up in the attic. So she takes care of everything. Off Each the bed child she goes. gets their own closet. <laughs> yes, pretty much. <laughs> um, and so that was around 1230 a.m., 1 a.m. Jenny is awakened again. She just can't get any sleep mm -hmm. tonight. Um, something hits the roof with a loud bang and then there's a rolling noise like somebody threw something at the, at the or you know something fell onto the roof um 
you know, maybe they had like a, a black walnut tree above it and it was just miraculously out of season. And, and for, for in the spirit of Christmas, the black walnuts decided to uh, drop this present upon the family. I'm going to call bullshit on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I felt it uh, long before I said it. Yeah. Years before I said it. Yeah. Um, and so she doesn't hear anything else. She goes back to sleep. We've all done it. You wake up and you're like, and probably what happened if I were to guess, you wake up and you're like, was that a noise or was that a dream? Yeah. I have done that so many times. And then you are, are like, I should check on things, but sleep. <laughs> it happened to me just uh, just the other day. I was asleep on the couch. Uh, and I heard the doorbell. And I went, come in. There's nothing. There's nobody. And it's because the doorbell was all part of a dream. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's entirely possible that that's what happened. I mean, I'm just guessing there, but another half an hour, she wakes up again to the smell of smoke. Um, George's office was on fire um, right around the telephone line and the fuse box. Uh, and so she, you know, wakes George up. She, you know, he wakes up the older sons. They're, they're, it's, a, it's a race to get everybody up and out of the house. Both of the parents and four of the children. Marion, Sylvia, John Jr. Uh, John and Jr. Yeah, John and George Jr. Yeah, yes. John and George Jr. I am not at all here. <laughs> He's a, he, You're doing okay. You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so um, they they escape. They, everybody's yelling to the to the attic. Um, they don't get any any response. Um, although. But the, the stairs are on fire. Yeah. So there's no way to actually get up there. Um, they, they tried and, and got, like, singed because of it. So Now, um, John says he went to the attic to alert his siblings, but he later changes his story that he only yelled up and he didn't see them. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really hard to say which one is the case. And in all the chaos, and human memory being as infallible... No, actually... As fallible as it is, mm -hmm. <laughs> the human mind for vocabulary being as fallible as it is. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, who knows? And in, in all that chaos, the, your adrenaline's pumping. There's just so much going on, and it's it's a terrifying situation of you know the smokes and uh, smoke and flame, and you're inhaling smoke, and yeah. So yeah. who knows? And here's the thing: I don't think John went up there. I really don't. Because the stairs were impassable right from the get-go. Mm -hmm. I don't see him, Asbestos John, running <laughs> up the stairs and going, Everybody, follow me. No, no, I don't see it. I, I think... And remember, at this point, John is not that old. Um, I think John's... John is 23. 23. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... And he had actually... I, I, I saw... Um, you have the the one brother who's off, and I believe his name was Joseph. Yes. Uh, he's off, at, you know, not at war, but you know, post war stuff. And um, John had also served. Uh, it's it's left out of a lot of articles, but I found a posting on Web Sleuths where um, uh, one of uh, George Sauter's granddaughters was posting, and she's like, "Oh, people usually leave out Joseph, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but he was also he was just home, you know." So he, he had also served just to give just to give you know um, him his due. Yeah, and it's it's kind of strange. He was like one of the older ones of the siblings, mm -hmm. and he actually survived almost the longest. Sylvia, as far as I can tell, is still alive. Mm -hmm. But Joseph, I found Joseph's obituary. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. and it was kind of interesting 
because I, I was looking for Sylvia's obituary. Didn't find it, so I'm assuming she's still alive. And in Joseph's obituary, it does say, spoilers, kind of, wink, <laughs> that the brothers and sisters perished in the house fire. Oh. Yeah, so, yeah, it says proceeded in, proceeded in death by. Okay. But did they? Yes, but did, did they? they? But did they? We'll get to that. So, it then turns into a heartbreaking mess of impossibility as far as rescuing these these other kids is concerned. It is absolutely, it is frustrating as hell. I can't imagine actually being there in that situation with your own children. I'm getting chills just thinking about yeah. it. But and it, you don't even have kids. Yeah, I don't even have You're kids. You're thinking about your cats. I'm thinking about my cats. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And, or even just family members, you know, of any sort, like loved ones. And I can't even imagine. It's it's just one thing after another. Right. God damn it. They can't use the phone because that's where the fire is originating from. Right. Marion goes to the neighbors to call the fire department. Can't get the operator on the line. Mm-hmm. A driver on a nearby road sees the fire, goes to the tavern. He can't find the operator. The latter. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, Eventually, um, that neighbor actually drove into town and tracked down the fire chief. Uh, F.J. Morris, who we're yeah. going to have words about. F.J. Morris, fucking junkhead Morris. <laughs> yes, fucking I'm talking junkhead. to you. I don't care if you're still alive or not. I hope you are, and you hear this. So the he, fuck? Here's what a fire alarm was in Fayetteville, 1945. This is F.J. Morris. He's on the phone. Hey, uh, I, got a, I got a fire over here. I have no idea what accent this is. I'm just going to run with it. Mm-hmm. I got a fire over here uh, at, the, at the, the solder house. You call the next one. And yeah. so on and so forth. It's a fucking phone tree before a fire that is... That is it's a bucket brigade progress. with phones. Yes, yes. And here's the thing. He can't even get out there because, because he, he can't, can't drive. drive a truck. What the fuck? <laughs> like, what is the deal? How did you become chief? <laughs> did you just happen to, like, win some sort of weird lottery that the town was throwing? It's a raffle. Yeah. <laughs> The fuck? They like, sold tickets and they raised money for Orphan Scott and then made them hats. <laughs> All about making hats for orphans. I don't know what it is. Because, you know, the orphans, they don't have anybody to pat their little heads. So yes, it's nice to have the hat to cover true. it to let people know don't touch these children. Yes. So, yeah. The, their lack of parents is proof God loves us better. <laughs> oh, God. That was horrifying. <laughs> so, the. Inability to actually get the fire department out there is one problem. And then there's the ladders, as you were saying. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Ladders missing. Yeah. The, the ladder, it's, it's always up against the house. Right. It's not there now. Yeah. It's not there now. Imagine the, imagine how your heart would drop into your stomach when you run around to the side of the house. Oh, I can get to the ladder. That's perfect. Run around to the side of the house and see that it's gone. Yeah. Oh, my God. And that does not fucking stop George. No, he's, he's still George, at it. George climbs the wall like he's fucking Italian Spider-Man. Barefoot. Barefoot. And Italian he Spider-Man. breaks... Oh, Italian Spider-Man's a great, a great movie. You need to watch Italian Spider-Man. Well, that's Spider-Man. a thing? It is. I thought you were just making things up. No, no, no. Italian Spider-Man. Uh, it's this great YouTube movie. Okay. And it, if you like the Naked Gun, if you like Airplane, you'll love Italian Spider-Man. Okay. It, the whole thing, he's kind of like this. And he's like, it's this guy, he's just like in a red t-shirt with a spider on it. And he's he's like overweight. And he's got scraggly hair and a mustache. And he goes, hey, pussycat, give me a macchiato, pronto. <laughs> <laughs> I love just, it. It's fantastic. But he's climbing this thing like he's the Italian Spider-Man. Barefoot. 
breaks open a window, cutting his arm in the process. Yeah, yeah. And nothing is stopping this guy. Not the fact that the water barrel is frozen solid. Not the fact that there's not a ladder there. Not the fact that the 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 fire department isn't going to arrive for at least another four hours. And even his his trucks. He has he has trucks for yeah. his business that he uses. Um, his coal trucks. He pulls them up to or wants to pull them up to the house and, and climb up on the truck. Will they not won't start. start. Yeah, they won't start. They worked great yesterday, but they won't start now. And so all they could do over 45 minutes, for 45 minutes, this family could only just watch. Just watch their, their family home uh, that they lived in, you know, all these children had lived in it all their life. Um, and, you know, the parents are watching their, their, their children um, in the house, you know, like this is not that they saw their children, but, you know, they're, they, they, in their minds, their children are in there. There it is. And yeah, yeah it, it's it, that had to be forty-five minutes of absolute abject horror and and despair. Yeah. I can't even I can't even imagine. It, it's very sad. So the fire department does arrive. Uh, Our heroes around eight a.m. <laughs> Only took them about seven hours. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and. Uh, they all they could do was just sift through the ashes. Yeah. Um, and one of the firefighters was Jenny's brother, too. So yeah. that had to be fucking rough gig. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. At that point, if I am a competent chief, which FJ you are not, <laughs> but fucking if I'm junkhead. Yeah, and a lot of people might be listening to this going. You're a little little harsh on FJ. No, he deserves it, and you'll see why here in a little bit. This is a shifty motherfucker. Yeah. Um, if I'm a competent, I'm like I'd go go console your sister. You know, there's nothing else to be done here. You're the one that's gonna go console your sister. That's what I would tell him to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Family needs to be with family. This is this is this is a time for you know for exactly that that is more important than sifting through the ashes. But um, hey, go find your nieces and nephews. <laughs> Look for their bones. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, that, that, that look for their bones lasts for about two hours. Um, and they find nothing. They find nothing. And he's like, well, um, it, it, it's... They must have burned completely. They must have just burned so that there's absolutely, literally, nothing left. Yeah. Which, no. That's not, and it's, it was only about a 45 minute to an hour blaze. Right. So, and we'll, we'll get into that, but well, it's, it's, it's not just that there, there is an unexplained phenomenon called spontaneous human combustion. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's where, a great episode of lore about that. Yes. Uh, where essentially it takes an incredible, incredible, incredible amount of heat to incinerate a skeleton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a buddy who has another buddy who works at the crematory, right? And he says there are several times that he'll open the door inside a crematory oven and there will still be a skeleton in there. And you just he goes, I have a mallet, and I just tap it, and it just sort of crumbles. Oh, that's... So, cremators, verify this. Let me know if this is true or not. I'm sure we have some cremators listening. Well, they say that even after, like, 2,000 degrees, which is what I I believe about what they they cremate people, Mm -hmm. the the, the temperature they cremate people at, um, two hours, there can still be bones remaining. And this was not... Um, a, a fire that burned that long or burned that, that hot. hot. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's really that 
that whole like, oh, well, they must have just be good, com- spontaneously combusted and nothing's left of them now. Yeah, and then and then Morris goes, well, yeah, we found some bones and organs, but we decided not to tell the family. Yeah, yeah, there were rumors flying around town yeah. about that. And so, uh, and, and so a two-hour search of, of the, the fire scene, yeah. and then this up-in-the-airness of whether or not... Up-in-the-airness... That works. It works. I like it. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to run with it. This up in the airness of, you know, like whether or not they actually found anything. And then if you find, if you find something, you tell the fucking family. Yeah. And then you don't tell other people so that then there are their rumors and the family is uncertain as to what, you know, where their children's remains are. It's, ah. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking it's... junkhead Morris. Yeah. And then Morris tells the Sauter family, you leave this site alone. Yeah. Don't touch it. Don't, don't touch it. Don't touch it. We're going to come back. The state fire marshal will come back. And nothing happens for four fucking days. Yeah, yeah, and they can't—they can't deal with it anymore. They can't look at it anymore, so they just bulldoze it. Yeah, uh, George intends to, intends to create a little memorial park, and almost immediately does so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, starts planning stuff. December thirtieth, death certificates are issued. Faulty wiring is blamed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then January second, nineteen forty-six, they have the funeral, and. You know what? Yeah, it was a lot of kids, but they love their kids. And these poor parents, Jenny and George, are too grief-stricken. They can't even go to the funeral. They can't. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's it's brutal. The, the, the kids go, but the, the surviving children go. But yeah, poor Jenny and George. Yeah. <sighs> I can't even imagine. And then some stuff happens where the Sodders begin to question everything it starts to get yeah shit starts to get real questionable um faulty wiring as we said was the the supposed cause for the the fire home was just rewired and inspected by the electric company not only that during the fire the christmas lights stayed on so that is one thing that i am unsure about because i guess i guess it was at the, the fire was at the fuse box and I'm assuming it's the fuse box for the whole house. Yeah. But, like, you know, you, the fuse box, is that, like, where you have, like, the circuit breakers? Yes. I don't know what things are, apparently. Okay. So, like, you have the circuit breakers, and so you have, like, each individual, you know, like, the, you have, like, five outlets on this one and four outlets on that one. And uh, I know that I can't run my, my electric kettle and my... Uh, uh, space heater at the same time. Draws too much power, <laughs> yeah. flips the circuit. Break. Every time I'm like, oh crap, I did it again. So think of it this way. Think like, of it this way. But what I want to ask is like, what if like only like part, were the Christmas lights on for the whole fire? That's what it's saying. The Christmas lights stayed on during the fire. That is, that is a, that's not festive. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's, definitely not. That's uh, that's tragic. Plus right there. the brightness of it's just you're not going to appreciate them. No, not at all. No. So, here's the way a fuse box works. In most houses, mine's a little bit different. I because three families used to live in the house. Each one had had their own electrical bill. Mm-hmm. But whenever I bought the place, I had it wired up, so now I only have one electrical bill. Okay. Right? So, Whenever that wire comes in from the pole, it goes into the fuse box and then that wire breaks apart and you can hook up all these other little tiny wires to it. So think of it, think of like that as the trunk of a tree and each one of the branches goes out to a different device. If there is a fire in the fuse box, yes, it may leave certain stuff on, but it's not going to happen for long. 
Because if okay. that fire, that fire is eventually going to cut out that main copper wire at the top. And yeah, you're going to lose electricity, everything. However, if let's say what was thrown at the top of the house was a Molotov cocktail, which think about that, that thud mm-hmm. and the roll, that sounds very Molotov-y. Mm-hmm. sounds very grenade quite quite honestly. Um, then that electricity would stay on for a while until the fire finally hit it. But if, if that's your origin, if your if your origin is the fuse box, then I'm thinking, yeah, it's going to, it, that the electricity is going to be one of the first things to go. In fact, it may go before you even realize there's a fire there. If that's your epicenter. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So that makes more sense to me. All right. I, I, I can understand now. All right. Okay. So yeah, you had that happening. Um, and, you know, electric company approved just now, not, you know, I don't know how recent it was, but it was pretty recent. And then boom, fire, that something seems wrong there. Um, and then uh, you, they started also like kind of looking into the past a little bit, think, thinking about recent things that had happened. I, if you don't some weird shit. If you don't mind. Yeah, sure. I've got a few more clues. Okay. All right. Go so, ahead. Go ahead. The missing ladder is found. Yes. Found thrown over an embankment 75 feet away. Right? Mm-hmm. They bring a repairman out. The phone line was cut. Yeah. That's why they couldn't get to the operator. The phone line was cut 14 feet up and two feet over. And, yeah, it's it's just this, this weird thing where it's like there's so much going on here that it, it's too much to go there... The fire was an accident. There's just too much. There's too much to conclude that. Exactly. But the uh, the the coroner's sort of inquest, I guess, um, did in fact uh, conclude that. And I guess they had jurors for whatever this sort of situation was. In this juror panel, was it a, a particular guy? Who just a few months ago had um, threatened them? Yes, yeah. threatened. Um, October nineteen forty-five. This is he's he's referred to in different places as different things. Some say a life insurance salesman. Some say a property insurance salesman. I kind of wonder if he's a protection insurance salesman. Mm-hmm. We are talking. Sorry for the stereotypes and the cliches. But we are talking about an Italian community. I don't trust anybody whose name ends in a vowel. <laughs> I'm going to change my name to Baxteri. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> uh, this is the last episode for me. Tell us, everybody. You can't trust me anymore. I'm racist. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not racist. <laughs> He's really not. So, um, yeah, he some sort of insurance salesman, agent, person, comes to the house. George Sauter says, no, thank you. And this insurance salesman says, your goddamn house is going up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed. You are going to be paid for the dirty remarks you've been making about Mussolini. That's that's pretty vague. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not at all foreshadowing or suspicious yeah. as fuck. Now, another visitor came to the house. Mm-hmm. Looking for go, work. Yeah. And he was just kind of like, you know, handyman. And he looks at the fuse box and goes, ah, it's going to cause a fire one day. Your wiring is all new. And the electric company inspected everything and found it safe, but y'all going to die. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some weirdness going on. And that first guy, the insurance salesman, ends up being one of the jurors for... Um, 
you know, the, the, the proceedings as far as determining it to be faulty wiring and an accident, which is, um, seems, seems like a little conflict of interest, but sure. Okay. Shifty AF? Yes, yes, indeed, Shifty AF. Um, and then the older sons, like, you know, a couple weeks before Christmas, as, as, you know, they approached Christmas, they kept on seeing a weird car somewhere along the, the main highway in town, watching the younger children return from school. So that's also mm -hmm. a little, especially that they were watching the younger children. That's, that's a little weird. Well, the neighbors also reported seeing a man steal a block and tackle from George. Mm -hmm. And they catch the guy, the police catch the guy who steal this block and tackle. And they go, uh, so what's your deal? And he goes, well, yeah, I cut the phone line. I, uh, yeah, I'm the guy that cut the phone line. I'm, I'm, I thought it was a power line. Which, why? Yeah, yeah. And dangerous? Yeah. <laughs> are the, the two words that come to mind for me. Yeah. Now, he denied having any involvement in the fire. Um, pro, pro tip, if you're going to steal block and tackle, I find it completely unnecessary to cut either the phone line or the power line. Yeah, this but is that gonna, kind of operation. Yeah. I would suggest cutting the power line because it's going to be really funny to watch you fucking burn. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a bright flash of light and then you're going to see another flash of light and your relatives kind of beckoning you forward. All the while some pretty sparks like fireworks. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to smell like bacon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then a woman that they kind of knew, the family knew, um... She said at some point in time, we have people coming forward with a mm -hmm. few sightings. This woman says that she saw the children go by in a weird car. We have another strange vehicle in the area um, during the actual fire. Mm -hmm. um, what if it's us? What if it's us in the time machines trying to save the soccer children? Well, I guess we won't know until we've gone back there and then mm -hmm. the timeline changes because then we won't have this podcast episode to do. And then we actually won't know. Well, future us will know, but future, current us won't know. Yeah, current us won't know. We're but getting it, into the paradox area, which is the worst part of time travel. There's really only one thing you can do, ladies and gentlemen. Support our Patreon. <laughs> Not that we have one yet. I love it when you talk directly to the computer. Absolutely. <laughs> this is my friend. Uh, <laughs> my friends are in here. Yes, yes. This is my box of friends. So my friends and my lovers. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, ex-hamster. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah it, it's it's a thing where like not only that there's a second witness that says she served the solder children breakfast at a rest stop near charleston west virginia yep and that the car the car had florida plates oh i didn't see the florida plates yeah thing. the car had florida plates so then you had um ida crutchfield she managed uh, a hotel in charleston and she came forward, it was a couple years later, I believe it was about five years later, and she said um, that she saw the kids about a week, or saw some kids. She saw children with two men and two women who appeared to be, um, uh, you know, Italian. Uh, she tried to speak to one of the children. Uh, one of the men, uh, he got pretty pissed off about this, said some stuff in Italian real quick. A bobbity boobity! <laughs> And then the whole group just stops talking and nothing nothing more came of that. Um, so you, but anytime you have a mystery, anytime you have people go missing, 
uh, you have sightings. And whether they're credible or not, it, it really, it, again, human memory being, you know, very fallible, not as, as trustworthy as we would like, which is always sort of a, it's an uncomfortable feeling. It's like, am I gaslighting myself? <laughs> uh, to a certain extent, we are. Yeah. The human brain is an incredibly faulty device. Um, I want everybody to picture, like, Tiananmen Square, the very famous, uh, famous a uh, picture of Tiananmen Square, the man standing with his shopping bags in front of a long line of tanks and that huge crowd watching him from either side of the photo, mm -hmm. right? There's no crowd. There's no crowd. Yeah. There's no crowd whatsoever. But everybody kind of thinks that there was a crowd. No, there's no crowd whatsoever. You cannot trust your brain. You're talking about an organ that's so incredibly dense that it makes you blind for 45 minutes of every day and you don't even realize it. Whenever you move your head fast, whenever you dart your eyes back and forth, your brain will actually shut down your optic nerve. Oh, fun. And, yeah, and it's that the entire time that your optic nerve is off is about 45 minutes of your waking day. God, that's terrifying. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. <laughs> but as I tell my therapist on a frequent basis, the brain is stupid. It is. It is. It's a lump of butter that happens to know about itself. <laughs> I like the way you put that. That was good. It's the truth. So, so yeah, it, it, it kind of, there's some people come forward, incidences are remembered, mm -hmm. um, and then a, a couple months, uh, the, the snow melts a couple months after the fire, and Sylvia, she finds in the yard, um, or in the brush, rather, a, a little dark green rubber ball-like object. Um, George thought it looked like a pineapple bomb grenade. Or something else, like some sort of other incendiary device. Right, right. Um, and there was a bus driver that night, that Christmas Eve, who saw someone throwing, quote, balls of fire. fire at the house. Which, you see, you see that? <laughs> and then you don't tell anyone? That bus driver was Jerry Lee Lewis. That bus driver and was F.J. Morris. F.J. Morris. <laughs> I can drive a bus, but I can't drive a truck. <laughs> Gonna fake some killings. <laughs> yeah. You asshole, FJ. You're a fucking asshole. Yeah. So, uh, it, it they, they, and they think, um, you know, the fire marshal says that it started the fuse box, and they're like, no, it started on the mm -hmm. roof. But they, they couldn't. They, they had no real proof. I right. mean, everything was all the proof was literally burned to the ground. And Sodders, the Sodder family, in an amazing display of forward thinking, go, we don't have the tools to deal with this. Let's hire private investigator, the awesomely named C.C. Tinsley. My hero, C.C. <laughs> Tinsley. Tinsley. Tinsley actually goes and confronts Chief Morris and goes, hey, Chief, fuck up. Uh, I'm hearing a rumor that you found a heart and buried it in a metal box without telling the family. The fuck, Chief? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it gets so much better. What, what? Hold on. Why? Why? And the chief, Morris goes, yeah, I did. Chief, fuck up. Yeah. So, he, he, yeah, he, exactly. He says, yeah, I did. Let's dig it up. Yeah. So they dig it up. And actually, Morris confessed this to a minister, and the minister, in a beautiful display of, like, this dude's a fuck up, he doesn't deserve God's love, <laughs> tells the Sodders. <laughs> Um, so they, they, they take the metal box, the, the heart in the metal box to the funeral director. It is cow liver, mm -hmm. 
fresh fresh cow liver that had never been in a fire. What? The rumors are that he did this hoping that Sauter would give it up. Would be like, okay, I've seen this heart in a box, which it's very, uh, has both a Victorian and an emo quality to yeah. it, somehow. Um, if I, I'm, All of my children, you know, must have perished in the fire, and I'll give up. Here's the thing. Here's what gets me. Is Morris such a fuck-up that he can't tell a liver from a heart? <laughs> Or does he just expect that nobody else will? If you have access to a beef liver, wouldn't you have access to a pig heart as well? You would think the two are off found side by side. Yeah. This, this and, man is is staggeringly incompetent to, yeah. to the point of dangerousness. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it's kind of interesting because you almost have the yin and the yang to each other in Morse and Sauter. Yeah, yeah. Where, like, Morris is completely fucking incompetent. Yeah. Just slaughtering animals left and right in the hopes that it makes a family believe that their children are dead. Why? I'm guessing the mafia. And he also just doesn't really seem to care about it, no. about it except to maybe, like, get Sauter off his back or yeah. whatever. Or, yeah. you know, get paid by the mafia or whatever's happening. Sauter sees a pic of a ballet girl and goes, that kind of looks like my daughter. I'm driving to New York City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sees it in a magazine, probably Look magazine. They were there was some debate on it in that web sleuth thread. I got a little caught up in that. It was, it was, <laughs> it, was it was it was. Most of my rabbit holes tend to be like rabbit holes that lead to other um, potential cases. This one was like rabbit holes within this case. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. 1946. There's a a magazine which they the the thread was never able to find. They even like pulled in like a library mm-hmm. librarian at the Library of Congress. <laughs> like that is how far they went. Um, and they were able able to find it in Look magazine. And I don't know if they looked in other similar magazines, but um, and uh, yeah, he 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 wrote to the school and asked if they would you know let him um come up there. And when he didn't get any response, he's like, all right, hops in the car, <laughs> drives go, up there. No. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty much like, okay, no, no. No, no which you gotta understand, like, yeah. strange man shows up at the door of a ballet school, says, "I think that one of your ba- ballerinas might be my daughter." That probably, you know, that some say died in a fire. No, no, no. He doesn't say that. He says, "I believe that that's one of your ballet dancers, <laughs> the, the little girl." Yeah, I believe she is my daughter. <laughs> she died in the fire. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's that's a hard no. That's yeah, a hard no. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, he. Wrote to the FBI. Mm-hmm. Got a personal response from J. Edgar Hoover himself, who said, Although I would like to be of service, the matter related appears to be of local character and does not come within the investigative jurisdiction of this bureau. P.S. Does this dress make my ass look fat? <laughs> I love these darling little shoes with the straps on the back. <laughs> they make my ankles so slim. Oh. <laughs> Perky calves. <laughs> Sincerely, J. Edgar Hoover. CC, my own file that I keep on myself. <laughs> Make sure Leonardo DiCaprio plays me. Uh, they put up, uh, in the 50s, they put up a billboard um, uh, that stayed up uh, until right after Jenny Sauter died in 1989 with pictures of the children, information about the, the, the case, and offering a $5,000 reward. The billboard actually kind of reminds me, and and this is heartbreaking to me, it, the, it's the same type of fervor. 
every once in a while you'll see a billboard that somebody's put up someplace where it's like abortion is murder and and all this and they have like the, all the bible verses and mm-hmm. everything and stuff and it honestly it almost seems like a religious thing to them like it's become their belief that it's something that they can't prove but they know deep down in their hearts to be true you know and and yeah it's it's that it's that frantic, fervent belief, and you can see it right there on the billboard, and it's fucking heartbreaking. It is, and it was also really, really smart. It's like the original milk carton. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, like long before I think I don't think the milk carton started until maybe the eighties. Johnny Bosch. Johnny, Johnny Bosch. Bosch was, right. He was like the second one, and if you want, like, it's a little too recent for us, but if you want a truly fucked up case the story of johnny bosch is terrifying there was i believe it was that case that i start i started a podcast started listening to a podcast on and i reached a point where and i've never done this before with with you know a a podcast series i reached a point where i nope nope i'm done i can't nope i'm out i can't i cannot live having heard these details and yeah, I, I just walked away, but it, it is absolutely just like, as soon as you said Johnny Bosch, a chill ran yeah. through my body, just remembering that this was just a couple months ago. I'm just sitting there like happily cross-stitching and listening to this and as it goes on and on, I'm like getting like more and more horrified. And I think like my face almost like froze that way. I was just like, oh God, yeah. no, stop. Yeah. And I'm happy never hearing the rest of it. Usually I have to hear it till the end because I'm like, my mind might fill in the details and they might be worse. Nope. This time they can't be worse. I can't come up yeah. with anything worse than what I heard. By the end of Johnny Bosch, uh, the story of Johnny Bosch... You'll have no hope for humanity? You will have no trust in your local police department, your local church, your local government, your state government, or your federal government. Yep. Everything is fucked. Yeah. And honestly, if 1% of the Johnny Bosch story is true... Uh, the entire system needs to be ripped down. Yeah, and yeah. and started from, from scratch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if just one percent of it is true. Yeah, it was it was too horrifying. I, I I'm gonna crawl back into my hole where I pretend that that I, I didn't listen to that. <laughs> so, Never mind. Yeah, didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, just just a warning. If you do decide to dig into that, it, it's some it's some gruesome, brutal, just awful stuff that really just leaves a hole in your in your soul as as. I would I know as that sounds. I would suggest I would suggest listening to the last podcast on the left. It's uh the the uh, title of the story I believe is something like Satanism in the US government. Mm. And and they do a masterful job covering the Johnny Bosch story. An absolutely masterful job. And at the same time are able to not all the time tastefully but are able to interject some humor mm-hmm. into it that makes it a bit more palatable to get through see after having he- heard the series that i started to listen to mm-hmm. i probably couldn't even deal with that because i i i, I don't i I just, I just can never return to the case again no matter I, in what format i am pretty hardcore whenever it comes to stuff like this Mm -hmm. i'm pretty hardcore and even that made me pause and i was like i need to take a break and just look at these pictures of kittens yeah yeah i thought i was gonna throw up honestly so yeah yeah, back to the solders (laughs) but dc dc doesn't completely abandon the solders uh, in August of 1949. Great segue. Thank you very kindly. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, a Washington, D.C. pathologist named Oscar Hunter does an incredibly thorough search of the dirt. He finds 
a dictionary. Mm-hmm. He finds coins. And he finds small fragments of human vertebrae. Mm-hmm. And he takes him to specialist Marshall T. Newman of the Smithsonian. And, and he goes, well, here's the thing. The short duration of this fire should have left large amounts of skeletal remains. These vertebrae that you brought me, they came out of Christie's Christmas tree. No. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking that. (laughs) These vertebrae that you brought me, they are human vertebrae. But they're not burned. And these belong to a child around the age of... 16, 16, 17. At most, 22. Oldest missing child, 14. 14. Yeah. 14. So, here's the things. He, Tinsley, I don't know how he does it, finds out that the bone fragments came from a nearby cemetery in Mount Hope. I'm, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't know how he did it, but I bet it involved a lot of punching. <laughs> And Morris's right face. Right in the nose. Right Morris's in the face. Because at this point, would you put it past Morris to start doing some grave robbing? Well, it's that or it could have been that, um, when Sauter bulldozed over the site, uh, you know, four, four days after, five mm-hmm. days after, whatever. Um, it could have came from that dirt as well. well. Somebody was buried in that dirt. Or, that... Which could have, you know, like... I don't know. I can't get. I can't quite connect that to the cemetery, but right. but I also wouldn't put it past Morris. Be like, well, I'm just gonna find some little bones here, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna put them in the dirt, and that that'll. Like, I was a little too obvious with the beef liver, but the little <laughs> tiny bones that have never even been burned. I'm not even gonna think about like putting them in a bowl and setting them on fire for a little bit with some, you know, wood. No, 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 no. That's too hard. Yeah. I'm just gonna drop them in the dirt. Everybody, I, I don't know what the big deal is. They're just Italians. And, you know, everybody knows Italians are mostly cartilage. Yeah. (laughs) That's why there's no skeletons. That sounds like a Morris thing. That sounds like, that's a weird stereotype to have. They're a bunch of pasta skeletons. (laughs) Pasta skeletons. My sister, my sister was Italian, so I'm allowed to make these jokes. Episode art. (laughs) Pasta skeletons. Um, the West Virginia legislator actually did bring up two hearings on this, but both of the hearings were dropped and the FBI actually did finally come around, um, because this idea became that if the children didn't die in the fire, because there's no real proof that anybody can give us that they died in the fire, then they must have been kidnapped. If they were kidnapped, it was probably an inter, you know, interstate. Mm-hmm. So the FBI can then step in because it's within their jurisdiction. Um, but they, about two years later, they, they chased down all these leads and oh, yeah. yeah, two and years later, they just, they had to, they had to drop the case. And George continues oh, yeah. to chase down leads. He talks to a St. Louis woman claiming that Martha is in a convent. He talks to a Texas bar patron who overhears two people talking about a fire they started in West Virginia on Christmas Eve a few years before. He hears that some of his own wife's relatives in Florida have children that kind of look similar to theirs. Imagine that. Yeah. He investigates. Yeah. And, and in fact, he even talks to a woman in 67 claiming that she found Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. She says, uh, he, and this is this is in Texas again. This is in Houston, mm-hmm. which um, it's interesting that, that Texas comes up a couple of times here. Um, although it is a big, gigantic state, so... Uh, she said, uh, Louis Sauter, he, he, uh, was, was with her one night. He got a little tipsy and re- revealed who he was. He revealed that he was Louis Sauter. Um, he was living with his brother Maurice in Texas 
And so uh, he couldn't get the woman to talk to him. Sauter couldn't, but he did get police help. They found the two men that were supposedly Lewis and Maurice, and they denied it. Years later, George's son-in-law said um, he w- he always had doubts about that. He always wondered, you know, like were they telling the truth? Mm-hmm. And if they if, if they weren't, then why? And you know, everything, all the all yeah. the many questions that come up in relation to that. And then comes. The letter with the picture. Oh, I've got chills again, which fuck. is good because it's warm in here. Yeah, it's a little, a little toasty. It's, Christy and I are both sweating our asses off. Yes, the things we do for you, people. I love you. Send nudes. <laughs> <laughs> Down with the patriarchy, damn it! I didn't say. I didn't say just the women. That is true. That is true. You were very non-discriminatory in that, so you get whatever you get. That's right. That's right. And you better just, like it. I just. You know what? I would appreciate nudes. Please be above eighteen, but not by much. That's horrible. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're not welcome. You're not welcome at all. No, no, no welcome for you. So, um, again in 1967. So you have. And this is. Keep in mind. This is. 22 years after the fire, mm-hmm. um, a letter arrives. It's postmarked Central City, Kentucky. There's no return address. Um, inside it is only a picture of a young man. He looks to be around the age of 30. Very handsome. Kind of looks like Adam Carolla, but with his features arranged more attractively. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I can see that. I couldn't quite find a movie star to compare him to, although I, I feel like I need to keep trying, because if I keep trying, I'll get it. Um, on the back, and, and he looks like what Lewis would look like. Yeah. You, you see the pictures compared side by side of young Lewis and this picture, and it is absolutely like, it, it, it's, it's, you're dumbstruck. You're like, well, oh, holy crap. It's, it's not just, it's not just looking to the eye. There's, I found there's a facial recognition app called FaceShine, and if a parent puts their photo next to a child. Face shine will kind of rate the photo usually at around 30 to 40%. You know, father to son, mother to daughter, it'll rate it 30 to 40% the same, right? If it were me and my dad, it would be 90%. <laughs> me and my mom, too. Yeah. It's like, well, how did this woman get a beard? Um, face shine rates the two photos, the mystery photo and a picture that we know to be Lewis as an 84% match. Damn. 22 years apart. Remember that, 22 years apart, but still an 84% match. That is something. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll post that picture for sure because you have to see this. Yeah. On the back of, the, on the back of this, this photo is written, Lewis Sauter, I love Brother Frankie. Little boys, little is misspelled, two L's at the beginning. And now, this one, I wasn't too clear on. I think, actually, I think it's I-L-I-L. Okay. I-L-I-L. It's, uh, capital I's and L's are, are difficult to tell apart. Yeah. I, yeah, it was a thing where, the place where I saw it, it was the two L's. Okay, all right. It, um, and, and it's, even in the original. Exactly. You know, it could have been exactly. difficult to tell apart, especially if you're not doing the... The, the horizontal lines at the top and the bottom of the, the capital I. Right. Now, here's the here's the part where I kind of got confused. Everywhere that I looked, it said, written on the back was A90132 or 35. Now, does that mean it was written A90132 
But that 3-2 was a little foggy and could have been a 3-5? I think that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Or was it actually written out A90132 or 3-5? Nobody ever clarifies it. Yeah. But uh, A90132 was, at some point in time, um, a uh, like kind of like zip code type yeah, thing. Yeah, a postal code. Postal code in... Palermo, Italy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is so weird. Yeah. And yeah. so they put this picture on the billboard. Well, now, I okay. have I have a little bit of a theory. Okay. All I right, have a little bit of a theory that A90 isn't actually A90. I think possibly it might be age. Age? Age. A. And then the nine. Because the way... I'll even show you the way I wrote my nine. Oh. Where uh, if you leave the little bit of a nine open, it kind of looks like a G. And if you would give an E, like just kind of sloppily write an E, it might be... Especially if you try to do like a cursive E, it might be confused for a zero. Okay. And if this person doesn't know how actually old they are... They would put down 32 or 35, I can't remember. And that's why I think it's very important to find out if the back of this photo says the or 35. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, wow. and believe me, that's just a loose theory. Well, some people have really messy handwriting, too. Like, it doesn't... That, and that could... Look at my notes! Oh, see, see I can actually read that. Yeah. Whereas... Jackson one time went to the grocery store with a grocery list he had written himself, then proceeded to call me from the grocery store and say, do you know if, of something that we need that starts with an M or an N? And I'm like, no. He's like, I can't, I can't read this. And I'm like, you wrote it. And then I'm, I, I can't, I can't think of anything. So, I mean, good luck and try to write more clearly. Mm -hmm. And so he, uh, he hangs up and he goes about his business and he comes home and it was, uh, it started, whatever it was, he'd figured it out, but it started with an S. <laughs> like no. that's how bad his handwriting is. Now imagine though you're Lewis mm -hmm. and you're writing on the back of this photograph yeah. with the intention of sending it to your parents. Yeah. You, you would definitely dead. I, I would, I would you, but why do they stay away? If it's a thing where, if they were kidnapped by some, some criminal organization that may or may not rhyme with Raffia, <laughs> would you... Like kidnapped by the Rob, you mean? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, the Hodfathers. <laughs> um, would you, would you go back and endanger your family? I mean, that is true. Yeah. It just, and I, I guess it's a mysterious picture is uh is the the most you can do without endangering them just letting them letting them know that you're still there and let's know? face it it was kind of dangerous because the solders hired another private investigator to investigate apparently tinsley was out punching nazis or something <laughs> he goes to central city where the uh where the the photograph was mailed from and straight up fucking vanishes here's my question actually though love brother Frankie. Mm-hmm. Who the hell is that? There's no Frank. Let's see here. Maurice, Martha, Louis, Jenny, Betty, Marion, John Jr. No, I'm sorry, John. I did the same thing you did. John, George Jr., Sylvia. Let's see here. Frank. I'm going to put in Frank Sauter. Ah, here we go. Jenny Sauter had a brother named Frank Cipriani. What? 
Sauterwitz? Yeah. I wonder if that was the same brother that was at the fire site. Jenny Sauter had a brother named Frank Cipriani in the state, and she entertained the possibility that he had taken the children. Okay. So that is that also the same family member that um, George insisted on, like, making sure that the family member's kids weren't actually George's kids? Mm-hmm. Okay. All That's right. the one. It's That's really weird one. that he would be referenced in the picture. Maybe it would be a thing where he, that's like, that's like, uh, Lou, Lewis telling them, look, I'm being taken care of. I love brother Frank, your brother Frankie. Man, that's weird. Yeah. But, oh, I just, so much of it is like. So here's the thing. I'm not going to edit this out. Mm-hmm. Us doing this little search. Yeah. I'm not going to edit this out because this is kind of like. like so, some of it has to be done on the spot. I didn't, exactly. when I saw that. There's so many children that I just assumed that there was a Frankie in there. Um, I, I didn't actually look at the list of the children because they're, I was just like, well, there, there's 10 of them. What are the odds that one of them won't be a Frank? Um, it wasn't until now that I had the thought, like, as we were actually talking, I was like, who the hell is Frank? Yeah. <laughs> like, can I actually, like, as we were sitting here, I went and looked at the the list of the children. I was like, there's no Frank here. So that's, the, and yeah, sometimes it, hap- it has to happen on the spot. Exactly. Yeah, yeah don't exactly. edit it out. Keep it. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's, yeah, I love Brother Frankie. That would be a great way of saying, no, your your brother has me, and I love him. I love him. He's he's treated me well. Mm-hmm. So it might be, yeah, wow. But yeah, that, that other private investigator that goes and just vanishes. Yeah, it's either a case of took their men, money and ran, or took their money and ran into trouble. I'm going to go for the second one. Yeah, I kind of feel it too. Yeah. I hate to, to conspiracy theorize, but it just, it feels like, you know, like how could you just dis, well, he's a private investigator, but still you got a business, you yeah. know, you're running a business. Yeah. You got a client based networking, all that fun, you know, businessy stuff. And now let's face it. If you're a private investigator, really all you got to do is come back and go, I didn't get any leads. Yeah. Really. Money's, your money's still mine. Yeah. You know, or, you know, if you're, if you're a, a bit of a dick, I found a couple of leads, but I'm going to need some more money yep. to track them down. A bit of a you, dick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I call a little joke grenade. <laughs> but it's a, it's a thing where like for an investigator to just straight up and vanish, there's about a thousand different things that you can do to milk more money out of these people if you are are without morals mm-hmm. uh to just vanish no. yeah it doesn't there it doesn't it doesn't feel right at all no now the solders they took the photo they enlarged it and hung it over their fireplace i know yeah it's, it's very it's it's heart-wrenching it is it is the, the the grief and the the questions all of it it's palpable yeah. you can just feel it in this case george died 1969. Jenny died in 1989 and wore black every day in mourning. And in 1989, the billboard was taken down. The last living child that we know of is Sylvia. She is still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, I did do a search for her obituary because as of two, as of 2015, that's the last I have been able to find anything of her. I did find Joseph's obituary. And in the obituary, it does state the brothers and sisters perish in a fire. You know, and that's that's kind of the end of it, and, unless you have something else. Well, I mean, Sylvia did say um, that, you know, she, she was, keep in mind, she was the youngest in the family. 
Um, she used to, uh, you know, stay up late with her dad talking about, um, you know, like theorizing, you know, like we're doing now. Um, and she, she believes that her, her, her siblings did not perish in the fire. She, she, you know, she doesn't buy that story. She, and so she, you know, she's still trying to, you know, like get the word out in whatever way she can. And, um, in 2006, her daughter, who I wouldn't be surprised if she's the one who was posting on the website's uh, message board, she said, uh, she promised my grandparents she wouldn't let the story die, that she would do everything she could. Wow. And that's, you know, that's... <sighs> and you know, some of them are young enough that they might still be alive. Sylvia is still alive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, it's not unheard of. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a very strange tale. I don't believe they perished in the fire. There's not enough there. There's just no evidence, but also the the fact that there was barely any looking for evidence before the scene got, you know, degraded. Right. Is is hard to. I mean, who's to say that some of that evidence could have been found if the fire marshal had gotten out there in time, or if the firefighters had looked for more than a couple hours? You know, oh well, it's time for second breakfast. You know. <laughs> right. Right. And but it's. It's one of those things, like, even like that, you know, even the cursory, you know, examinations, mm-hmm. you would think you would find five skeletons. Yeah, that's true. You know, and... Or at least some parts. Yeah. Something, anything. Yeah, in a fire that wasn't that hot, you you think you... And there's just so much. The ladder, the truck's not working. The ladder really... That one in particular gets me. I can see if it was like, oh, it's up against the barn instead of the house or something. But for it to be found just way off like that, that's really weird. Like, there's a lot of... And a lot of it does feel intentional. Um, I'm just trying to... Okay, so let's let's say maybe the course of action here is the people who are doing this, uh, they take the ladder, climb up into the attic, kidnap the children. Uh, we got, maybe we have a couple people to, working together on this. One of them, you know, carries the ladder off. One of them disables the trucks. Although, oh, another thing is that there was, there were theories that the trucks could have, um, in, in their haste to get the trucks to the house, they could have flooded the engines. So, and that's in, in, in 1945 vehicles. I could see certainly that. possible. But you got to remember, this is a guy... Who does this for a living. Drives trucks for a living. Yeah, yeah, that's true also. It has become second nature. He probably spends more time driving a truck than he does walking Yeah. during the day. I can't picture a man who does that for a living fucking up under pressure. Yeah, that's true. Especially a man who was climbing the wall barefoot. And you know, mm-hmm. like, if he's able to climb the wall barefoot, I'm sorry, he's going to be able to do the thing he does every day of his life. So they somehow disable the trucks um, and then make off with the children. Um, and I, well, you know, there's also setting the house on fire in there somewhere. Um, so I guess that would have been the I mean, you're not going to grab the kids after the fire is already going. You're going to get them first quietly somehow Four children. Chloroform. Chloroform is a possibility, yeah. yeah. Although not as easy as people think. No, no, it, no. It can very easily go awry. You can, you can basically like, um, you could kill somebody. Right. Probably the best way to get the children out is like, if you scream, I'm going to kill her. Either that or somebody they knew. Mm-hmm. 
if it's somebody if it's Frankie, if it's Frank, if it's Jenny's brother Frankie, it's like, hey, come on, we're gonna surprise your parents. Come down yeah, the ladder. Yeah. Yes, we are going to surprise your parents horribly <laughs> and in the worst way possible. Yeah. Oh God, what if somebody dressed up as Santa Claus? <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! I'm I never sorry even that I had thought that thought. That. I am so sorry that I even had that thought. I wish it had not come into my head and i hate myself a lot right now holy fuck what a bit although the 14 year old probably would have seen through that but a bleary-eyed sleepy stayed up too late 14 year old you know what he might have thought that it was his dad oh yeah oh this is gonna be fun that's his dad dressed as santa oh god oh my heart is aching now (sighs) fuck well, that was fun. <laughs> we always end up, like, so down. Well, for everybody listening in their car, just pull that garage door down tight. <laughs> Suck in the brown wind to death. As you... <laughs> no, do not do that. You've got so much to live for. You absolutely do, including listening to us again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for... Every every week we're seeing like the numbers rise mm-hmm, and rise mm-hmm. and rise. It's very happy making. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. I Every time I like click on the thing, oh, there's another download. <laughs> Yay! Celebrate. And I have like I have a little thing like champagne poppers. I got to grow something. And every time there's a new download, <laughs> yay! <laughs> yeah, we just, we just love that you listen. And um, we would love uh, some more reviews. Uh, if you want to see a great example of a review, go to Stitcher and look at Cosmic Karens again. Because that was... Warmed my apparently black, dark heart that I have here with the horrible thoughts. Um, so, yeah, uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Um, follow us on Podbean, Spotify, wherever, you know, you, you do that stuff. So we we, we uh, love it. And then we can give you as much love as we've given Cosmic Karen. Yes. And Somewhere out there, she's either very happy or very uncomfortable. Yes. yes. Well, maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> she's starting to be like, are they going to start stalking me or something? Yes. No, I promise. We're, we're, we, we, we like you, but we're way too busy. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Do us a favor. You know you have a friend that's sick and twisted and all sorts of fucked up in the head, and they would love this show. Let your friend know about this show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Take their phone from them mm-hmm. and hit the subscribe button, and then also go and in their name leave a review. <laughs> These guys are the shit. Just doing what you were going to do anyway, Steve. Exactly. You know, I'm saving you time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You got any big plans for this week, buddy? Oh, just prepping for a trip. The travel anxiety Yay. has started already. Don't try to rob Christie's place. They're going to be back before this is posted. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's the, the magic of podcasting. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Not only that, but also I have security cameras out the wazoo because I'm a paranoid person. And uh, my brother's also staying here because somebody's got to take care of the ducks. So. Fair enough. Of course. So, yeah. Have you warned them about the hawk? Oh, we're, we're going to have a, a talk about that. I, I'm not even sure if they're... The, the ducks might not be free-range for the time that we're gone because I just... I'm, I'm of the personality that has a hard time trusting anyone but myself. Uh-huh. So, um, and especially with that, that, we have one particular hawk that really seems to be stalking the ducks um, almost half the time when I let them out. That hawk is there. It's very recognizable. I have missing a few feathers in one wing. So, yeah, it, it's very... Christy um, has a nemesis, and it's not even human. Yes, yes, I do have a nemesis. I have flipped this hawk off from my yard and yelled expletives at it because I'm sure that it's after my docks, and it's quite big and bold. Oh, this week he was flying in circles real low right above. He's he's It's it's scary. I'm really worried this, is, this might be a bad summer. Um, so, 
So yeah, they might just have to stand that pen for that. I hate doing it, especially during the summer when they have so much fun running around the yard, but I just have, oh. maybe only, my mom is also gonna come up and spend some time here. Maybe only when my mom is also here. So two hmm. sets of eyes. Right. And I'm gonna teach them about English Bob has his danger quack. You know, you can, eat, and the, the, the ducks are good at, at spot, spotting hawks too, so. But yeah, it's I'm I'm debating how to go about this. Um, as far as I feel bad leaving the ducks in, but I also want them to live. Right. And right. it's you have to you, you really have to have poultry to get used to looking for hawks. Now I see them everywhere. Yeah. But before I never saw them. Now, do you have like a garden hose? Yeah. That would that to me would seem like a good like if it swoops down low. The, I might have to like sit there and just be ready, but generally, if you're nearer the ducks, like I'll hang mm-hmm. out on the deck, and you know the duck can't, or the duck the hawks hawks can't see me. Once they see a human, they tend to sort of skirt away. Although this one was like, I'm gonna do a few more slow, threatening circles. Mm-hmm. But oh, he's he's bold as brass. This one. So yeah, just uh, yeah, I know. I don't know. I don't know where I went there, but I liked it, and I, I want to go there again. Yeah, <laughs> he's bold and brass. This one. <laughs> And Chrissy, like, plays with a scar that magically appears down the street. <laughs> this was a gift from him, and I will pay it back one day. <laughs> yes, so. Yeah. So, yeah, just prepping prepping for the trip. So, uh, right how about on. you? What's up this weekend? This weekend, I am, I love this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I want to get it out there more and more and more. I've been doing research upon research upon research. And, uh, like, I've sent you links. So uh-huh. Check out this article. Check out this article. This is something we should do. Last podcast on the left makes $57,000 an episode. We can do that. So, yeah, it's it's essentially whatever topic we choose is going to be, uh, I'm going to research the fuck out of that. Well, we're going to have a guest host. That's true. That's so, true. That should be interesting. I can't wait to listen to the, the, the not have heard it at all. It's going to be so weird. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> But yeah, I'm uh, going to research the hell out of that. I'm going to research the hell out of making money podcasting. Mm-hmm. So, because I want to do this for a living. I don't want to make $57,000 an episode. I'll take it. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no. But just, you yeah. know, enough to to buy better microphones and put stuff up. And yeah, yeah. To quit my job. <laughs> yes, that's it. Quit my job. So Chrissy can quit her job. I do love teaching, but it is rough going, trying to juggle that and podcasting and writing and everything during yeah. the, like this summer is like, I can breathe. And I still feel overwhelmed sometimes, even without school. So with school, who See, I think what you should do is pick one of the cases that you really like mm-hmm. and create a historical fiction around that. Okay, so here's the thing. Oh, did I hit something? I have written a historical fiction short story. It is literally sitting right next to me um, in my books. Um, and yeah, it is... Historical fiction is a bitch. Granted, the amount of research you do... Like, yes, we do a lot mm-hmm. of research for the podcast... But it's slightly different because we're relating a tale, whereas um, in, in writing you're trying more to immerse the reader. So you're trying to get all the sights, sounds, mm. smells. You're trying to get all the, the details of, of the era correct. You know, you've got to have people, how people are dressed. I mean, we don't talk about what they're wearing, exactly. you know? Exactly. The solder children walk to the scent of Papa John's. Yes. <laughs> That's incorrect! <laughs> so, like... When I was writing my Fine dominoes. my story, which is in uh, the Binge Watching Cure anthology of short stories, and it's about the Johnstown Flood, a subject in which I thought I was well-versed until I tried to write about it. And I was like, every paragraph, I was running to the internet to look stuff up. 
And I mean, granted, some of the stuff you find away along the way is absolutely delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, that many children were left orphans. <laughs> Fun. Okay, no, it was more like the Decoration Day uh, parade, which was Memorial Day before it was Memorial Day. Um, the day before the flood, uh, there was a parade, and uh, the I think the mayor, if, it, if I'm correct, he later wrote, um, or he wrote about the parade. He's like, it went off without a hitch, and everything was wonderful, and it was a beautiful day, um, except for the one Civil War veteran on a float who was uh, shaking his wooden leg at the parade onlookers and offering them a swig from his flask. I uh, <laughs> I was like, this guy is going in the story. <laughs> I like to think that John Sound really hasn't changed that much. It really hasn't. It's literally exactly what I said. I put, I put it up on Facebook. I put that whole description up, and then I was like, "Stay classy, John." Stay. Yeah. So, so yeah, you find stuff like that, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a different purpose. It's research with a different purpose. Um, you know, here we're putting details together to make a case. There, I'm putting details together to immerse the reader um, and also help move the plot along. So, so yeah, it's 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 more of a bitch. I could possibly do it. And it would be at least be like you know dual purpose. See, I think maybe hearing that, maybe we should go in another direction and create a book of ten unsolved cases that are obviously solved. Because <laughs> <There we laughs> how many times have we run into that in our short little history? Obviously solved. Yeah, we can find a bunch of those. Yeah. Yeah. So. Looking at you, Quentin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. So, all right, yeah. So, uh, next week you'll get to hear a special guest uh, along with Scott. And she's going to be so drunk. She's going to be so drunk. Because she's ready. always drunk. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be funny. And I'm sorry I'm going to have to miss it. You're not technically going to miss it. You'll be able to hear I it. I will be able to hear it. Yes, that's mm. right. So, and maybe I'll, I'll, I'll yell at you guys in, in a car, much like she yelled at us in a car. There we go. <laughs> so, all right. So, yeah, catch us next week for a special guest. And uh, don't even think about trying to rob my house. And I guess that's everything. And thank you in advance for your reviews that we know you're going to lo- leave. Not lose. We know you're going to leave because you love us. Uh, I love you too. <laughs> he talks to the computer again. I do. Bye, friends in the box. Bye. Bye. Oh, you glow so pretty. <laughs>